Hello, and welcome to the Tap Market Podcast. I'm your host, Troy Scarborough. I'm an entrepreneur who has started, acquired, and more importantly, is focused on growing companies. In this podcast, you'll hear from entrepreneurs about how they got their start, what their company is about, what has worked for them to get to this point, and how they plan to build their brands. Expect to find actionable tactics that you can use to grow your business and get motivated to get through the grind into a meaningful entrepreneurial outcome that will change your life. I'm thrilled to have you here. Be sure to follow us on YouTube and Instagram at Tap Market, and let me know if you've been listening to the podcast. I love connecting and hearing from you. All right, let's get to it. Hey guys, it's Troy from the Tap Market Podcast here. I've got a great guest with me today. He's running a couple of shops for us to talk about. Brian of 100 Celsius and Delegation Club. Brian, thanks for coming on. I'm going to have to have you jump into it and explain to everybody what these two businesses are and then sort of how you got started in them. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, Troy. This is great. What's up, everybody? I'm Brian. And like Troy said, I run two businesses, two service-based businesses. So one is a CRM marketing agency called 100 Celsius. And we work with e-commerce brands, mostly on Shopify, to help them grow their MRR, their monthly recurring revenue, through subscriptions, replenishment, using channels like email, SMS, direct mail, and others. So we work with a good amount of large kind of seven, eight-figure e-commerce brands and have been doing that for about three years. And then a newer business is Delegation Club. And that business uh, is... It was very much born out of a lot of the pain and the mistakes I made launching and growing 100 Celsius and building a team. But at Delegation Club, we help other online businesses. So e-commerce businesses, agencies, consultants, content creators delegate better by creating custom SOPs and training documents for their team so that they can do things the way that you want them done. And you can actually start to pull out of your business a little bit and operate more like a CEO and less like a micromanager. So that's a lot newer, but it's growing a lot faster. So it's pretty interesting. So take a step back, 100 Celsius that you started first. What got you started in that to begin with? Yeah, it's kind of a funny story. Before I started my agency, I had been doing a couple different things, but I was at the time, was actually doing enterprise tech sales out in New York City. And I was working for an enterprise marketing technology company. And so that was basically my introduction to email marketing and retention marketing is I was actually not doing the marketing. I was selling the software that enabled the marketing. So think like a Klaviyo or a different tool like that, but just like a million dollars a year type contract value. And our clients for that company were brands like Stitch Fix, Dollar Shave Club, Spanx, Staples, Finish Line, Four Sigmatic, right? So like a lot of really big, high growth brands that were very sophisticated. And so to sell that, you have to learn a lot. And so I learned a lot about how those enterprise style brands were operating their lifecycle marketing. But what was happening is our company was getting contacted a lot and I was having a lot of conversations With much smaller brands, brands doing mid six figures, brands doing seven figures, even brands kind of in that low eight figure range, great brands, but they were looking for enterprise technology. They were like looking for the next tech tool to solve their retention problems, right? They're like, we've got a one-time buyer problem. So people buy once from us and they never come back. 
or I don't know who my most profitable or highest LTV customers are, or our open rates are so bad or whatever. I'd have all these conversations and nine times out of 10, it was like, they're using Clavio, but they're like tapping into about like 15 to 20% of what was possible with Clavio, right? Like, you know, they're looking to like upgrade to like a expensive tool when it's like, actually, no, you probably just need to write emails that your customers don't hate. You know, like you probably should set up more than like the most basic automations. You know, you should probably send not just big newsletter style emails all the time, but like be more thoughtful about it. So I, I started thinking like, man, this would be a lot of fun. I feel like I could do this. And so on the side of my full-time job, I started taking email marketing courses, started kind of hustling in the mornings and the evenings and weekends. And, you know, went out and got my first client through a buddy of mine, Austin Dixon, who's now the CMO for a really cool company. And then it was kind of off to the races. I like quit my full-time job way before it was financially advisable to do so. <laughs> I was like, during the pandemic, we moved back to California from New York City. You know, I had like one freelance client. It's making like $3,000 a month freelancing. And I was like, I'm all in, let's do it. And so I uh, put in my notice from my job and kind of went all in on it. And it ended up working out. For that particular company, 100 Celsius, when did you start or how did you start to build your agency? I'm assuming you built it around yourself at first, but then did you build a team around you locally? Did you start to leverage VAs overseas to help you? How did the scale come about? Yeah, that's a great question. So the team at this point, we've actually decreased a few. Uh, we've actually kind of like recently gone down in size just a little bit, just for basically I would call it right sizing. But we're now at seven people, including myself. You know, at our max, we were like at 10. And how I got started, there's kind of like two parts. But when I was starting out, the way I got my first clients was actually through the 1%. It was through a few different referrals from more of like a, I call it the internet marketing space. Because when I started in email marketing, I started more of like direct response, kind of like long form email copywriting. And then I kind of made it more of a pivot to like branded e-commerce stuff. And then concurrently, I was, I was in the 1%. And yeah, I was just adding value to the community and was posting some things I was learning, some things that I thought could help people out and ended up having an opportunity to start doing a few trainings for the 1% for Ryan Moran's group. So did some email marketing trainings, contributed to some courses, was able to do some workshops and I think that exposure, you know, I ended up getting some inbound clients from the 1%, which was really awesome. And that was kind of the way that that sort of kicked off and then sort of expanded from there through referrals and partnerships mostly. Have you had to go on to platforms like Fiverr or Upwork to get customers or has it mostly been word of mouth? Yeah, to date, it's basically been word of mouth and referrals. So if the listeners don't know, the 1% is Ryan Daniel Moran from capitalism.com's sort of onboarding first group. A lot of people will read the book that Ryan Daniel Moran wrote, 12 Months to a Million Dollars, which is sort of a lead magnet for Ryan. It's a great book about how to create an e-commerce company from scratch. The 1% is a community of like-minded e-commerce business startups people trying to get started in e-commerce. But in that group are a bunch of other value-added people. You've got service providers like yourself, Brian, lawyers, CPAs, different types of service providers hanging around. 
all across the whole spectrum of what it takes to run an e-commerce brand. It's a great networking group because it's a larger group. He has a smaller group called the Incubator, where people who are further along trying to move from a million dollar brand to a $10 million brand will hang out in the, in the smaller Incubator group. So whether it's that mastermind or another group, it's an interesting opportunity for someone like yourself in the service space, or even if you're just running a brand to get in there with like-minded individuals, it was a lead source for you in a lot of ways, but that took a lot of giving to get those leads. But even brand to brand, you can learn a lot. Like tap market is all based on co-marketing. So if you think co-marketing is a good marketing avenue for you and your brand, the 1% is a great opportunity to go in and find other brands like yours or that you could work with, maybe operating in or around your niche and do co-marketing with those partners because there's just so many like-minded people in that community. It's true. You're spot on though, Troy. It's like, it's, it's really that give first mentality, right? Where you go in there to get, people recognize it immediately, right? So it's like, it's the long game. It's the value add game. It's you know, it's all about giving and contributing to whatever community you're a part of. But if you can do that, only a small percentage of people actually contribute to any of these groups, right? So if you're like one of the 2% of people that are in there adding value, showing face, whether that's in a group, whether that's on social media, like LinkedIn or Facebook, it goes a long way. Totally. So email marketing and SMS are always changing. What do you think is working right now for people? And where do you see missed opportunities? For example, the 80-20 rule. If you put in 20% of the work, you're going to get 80% of the value. Are there any places where people just haven't even put in the 20% effort to get started? Yeah. Our mindset on email marketing, even as an agency, has changed so much over the last couple of years. When I started your ability to do email marketing in the way that I think most brands still picture it was better. You could trust open rates. Inboxes were even like less saturated. But increasingly, what we are focused on when it comes to email marketing, SMS, and these tools is one, key automations that basically target customers at the most important parts of their customer journey, right? So it's like customer journey optimization, And those are things like, of course, you got to have all of your abandoned checkouts and your welcome series and stuff like that set up. But those are all like really easy. Like you don't need an agency to make money with your email. You can go check the boxes yourself and just having something there is going to be better than nothing. Most brands, if they're like getting started or sub a million dollars a year, definitely don't hire an agency to do email (laughs) for you. Like, I mean, that's just my perspective, but you can check a lot of those boxes quite easily yourself. The difference that we've really evolved more into is using email in tandem with other things like SMS, direct mail, push notifications. How do we tie things into things like apps or subscription programs? And then also zero party data. So like data you collect from customers. And the whole goal here is to use email just as much as a customer research and CRO channel that allows you to create better ad content, that allows you to optimize your product pages based on customer insights, that allows you to focus your efforts on advertising, on acquisition, on the best customers that have the highest lifetime value. And we're just basically trying to create like an acquisition retention flywheel instead of trying to like over-index on retention, because you cannot scale a business with retention, right? It comes down to acquisition and acquiring the right customers at the right price 
and then getting them onboarded so that they actually use your product, right? They actually like it. They know how to use it. They feel supported. And then you get them over that one to purchase hump. And then hopefully if you're a replenishment brand, you get them to subscribe, you get them to stay subscribed, all that. So there's a lot to unpack there, but it's, I would say that understanding your customer journey, getting your core automations in place, and then trying to do some data collection through email and through forms or a post-purchase survey are some of the highest leverage things you can do. I feel like one of those things that's changed too recently is in the email marketing world and in the customer engagement world is the humanization of brands. I think that not necessarily gone, but going away are the times of these faceless conglomerate brands or even Chinese manufacturers with no customer engagement. That's just not going to fly in today's world. This goes back to your point. If you're sub a million dollars, there's no reason why you can't do this yourself because you should just be telling your story, just speaking the truth and writing exactly what is going on and building your company. Not overly marketing speak, just factually. This is what you're trying to do. And if you can put on paper what you're trying to do or a mission or reason to engage you as a company and a brand, then you should take that step to engaging the people at that level, personally, on what your brand's trying to build. And it, it needs to be personalized. Like, we're a human brand willing to help. We're going to take your concerns and your buying power seriously and try to engage with you, not just on a customer service level, but also on an alignment of vision. You're spot on, man. It's like, I, I see brands get hung up all the time thinking that they have to have like the world's best design. But the truth is like your brand Force and Herald, you sell wallets, right? It's a accessory, but you probably do a lot of plain text, you know, personal feeling emails and it works. It's because people like to feel connected because so few brands do that. They're not used to seeing it. And more and more, you're spot on that. Like people want to feel like they've got a relationship. I saw this great post. It was like the best thing in the world you can do as a CEO for your business's growth or marketing is to try to make every one of your customers feel like they know you, feel like they have like a relationship with you in some way. And there's a lot of things that you can do through channels like email or SMS to, to create those moments without you having to manually do it yourself. Like one thing that we always do for clients is like we, 14 days after an order is delivered, we just automate a plain text email from customer service or the founder being like, hey, it's Troy. Just wanted to check in. How's it coming along with your wallet? <laughs> you know, or like, and you will be shocked at the amount of people that respond to that email that then sparks conversations that you can go to your customer service team. You can ask people for reviews. You can ask people for UGC. You can ask people for all, I mean, it's, you can create these amazing moments that create viral buzz and it's not hard to do. You just, it's like creating those authentic moments. Yeah, we had Nick on from Sinless Snacks recently, and he was using the app Bongiorno. We're actually implementing this with our brand as well, because it just gives us an opportunity to put our face to the customer. So your plan is, is all really post-purchase, so it's not necessarily customer acquisition directly. I do the picking and packing in the warehouse myself, and I want to shoot a video just to say thank you. And I have your package right here. <laughs> you know, it's coming to you. I'm sending it. I'm putting it in the mail. I just packed it. I'm Troy, the owner. Amazing, right? And then have some call to actions. Share us. Check out our sister company. Tell a friend. Any type of call to action. See what works and continue to use them. 100%. I think that that's like really a good thing to think about. You know, if you're sitting here as a CEO 
and you're like, what are my high leverage activities? What are those things that I do? And either I do it the best or it's the most meaningful for me to do. Like, and I think that a CEO like you who can say like, I want to have that direct relationship and conduit to my customers, you know, and I want to be able to write those emails. I think that's a great thing to spend your time on, especially campaigns. It's like, it's a high leverage and it goes a long way. You know, you can delegate that to the right copywriter, but you have to have some sort of pipeline to be able to translate that. And it's never the same. Yep. And so the equivalent of that, we had this discussion internally that I can't have a VA write those emails and tell that story and pull the personal pictures off my phone without me having to basically do 80% of it. But what can they do is they can write search engine optimized articles about our space. I can give them keywords. I can give them topical areas that people are interested in, et cetera, and they can write that. And so you have to find the right things to delegate because like you said, it's harder for me to replace myself needing to do those high value things. Yeah. And I think it's harder, but it is possible. And for example, we work with an Inc. 200 brand and they do a lot of revenue and they're very founder driven. It's a very emotional founder centric type brand. We work with a couple of these, a couple of celebrity brands, and it's really a mix of it's hard to do, but it is possible. You just have to have the right writer and you have to have a very good do's and don'ts list. You have to have like established those standards. One thing that I am really focused on right now in both of my businesses and just anything I do is trying to create like what I, in my mind, call domino systems, which is like if you imagine like a bunch of dominoes lined up, I want to just be able to tip over the first one, create one input, and then have that one input be multiplied and go through a, a series of different processes that then allow it to turn into something very different on the end. So whether that's like, I want to, you know, film a loom video and put it in through a form internally. And then that one loom video gets turned into an email, a blog, a couple social media posts, you know, an infographic, uh, training for the team that goes in our knowledge base, like whatever that looks like. I think that that's like, as a CEO, the more you can kind of like look at what are those high leverage things that I can do, minimize my input time and maximize the output time. Dan Martell wrote the book, Buy Back Your Time. And he would dictate in a message, something like that as well. So basically, what you're talking about is, is how do you get the information out of your brain down in a way that someone can then repurpose it, whether it's them writing content or writing the email or whatever it is, you can be in your car and say, Oh, I'm going to record a four minute dictation on what I want in this week's blog, email, social posts to be centered around. And then it goes to the team. And it's like, oh, yeah, the team's better at writing this and they've got more time to do it. But how do you get that information out of your brain? I actually one time met this person who ghostwrites all of Tom Brady's TB12 food company blogs. And they were telling me they had to do the same thing. In order to ghostwrite it, they had to get all this information out of Brady's brain and then out to the developers behind it so they could write it and have it sound more as if it was coming from him, if that makes sense. It does, man. I mean, we do the same, like like I said, we work with a couple celebrity brands that are written in the voice of that celebrity. So like Mike Tyson's brand, Tommy Chong, CBD. You know, we write long form emails in the voice of Tommy Chong that are like relevant to what's going on in his life, all that stuff. And we do so well through email. And you're right, it just takes some intentionality and it may not be something you want to delegate. I think that that's an important decision 
people make as a, as an owner of a company or a voice or a CEO, it's like, what do you want to retain? But I think from a delegation standpoint, this is something I've learned a lot. It's like, oftentimes as owners or CEOs, our ego gets in the way of realizing the possibility of what can be actually delegated and done really well, or at least well enough. You know, something I've learned so much over the last couple of years is like how many places I've just been the bottleneck and I've been the limiting factor and the cap on what my company can do because I've tried to retain control too tightly over things and tried to be the superhero too much for our companies. If you as a CEO are always hopping in to save the day and you're always putting out fires and it's always about you, then your business is way worse. I think that's the entrepreneur's conundrum. I think every entrepreneur goes through that phase and they never get to where they want to go until they find a way to build that team. You're never going to be able to do it yourself. You have to find a way to build a team, which means you have to find a way to trust in delegation. So this is a perfect pivot point, though. So a lot of what we've talked about is 100 Celsius. Years later, though, Delegation Club comes along. Give us a quick elevator on exactly how this gets implemented with a customer, where this value of delegation swoops in and saves the day for an entrepreneur and who you're typically working with. Totally. So like one of the biggest things that worked for us at 100 Celsius in terms of me being able to pull out of having to do everything. And like I was, we were just talking before we hopped on, like my wife and I are about to have our first baby and you know, I'm going to take a couple of weeks off and the company's going to run great. <laughs> it's going to probably run better without me around, frankly. One of the biggest things that got us there was because like we made a big push to invest in building out our internal knowledge base. We're not a cookie cutter agency. We have like, we have very unique and special ways of doing things. Custom reporting, onboarding processes, how we set up different automations, our strategy, so many different things. That's where a lot of people get stuck, right? Is like, you want to delegate, you hire a VA or you hire an employee, and then you're in this position where they do their best, but they're not doing things the way that you want them done. And they're not doing things up to the caliber that you want. So then you have to hop in and you're like fixing everything. And now it feels like you're doing your job and theirs and you get frustrated and you feel like you can't trust your team. And it's just like a disaster. So you got to get really clear on ownership, get empowered team. But before you can do that, you actually have to be clear about how you want things done. And so one of the big things that we did is we went through all of our service lines. We went through all of the things that we did and we created a cool process. You know, we operationalized a cool process where basically as me or my team, as we were doing the thing, we're like, okay, here's how to fill out a reporting sheet on a weekly basis for a client. We would film a Loom video, walking and talking through it. And then I created a form that then I sent to my assistant who I hired actually specifically for process documentation. And then he would turn that into a fully baked SOP with timestamps, step-by-step instructions, the video right there, organize it in our knowledge base, and then we back-populate it into our project management. So what it allowed me to do is like, instead of me sitting down, spending an hour on this complex SOP, which was never gonna happen, you know, it was why I was putting it off. Now I just do the thing, film a Loom video as I'm doing it, send it through a form and I'm done. And now my team has that resource to follow. And so that was how the idea came about. I was like, I had tried all these different things. I tried buying pre-made SOP templates. I tried using tools like Tango or Scribe that like create SOPs 
through clicks and things like that. And it all came back to me to have to edit it, to have to QA it. And it was just like, it always fell on the back burner. So that's the whole idea of Delegation Club is we just do that for other businesses. So like you want to hire a VA, you want to hire offshore, you want to onboard a new team member. Instead of you having to sit down and just like manually document everything, all you have to do is just do the stuff you're already going to do, film videos. And then we set you up with a form and a portal where you just fill out a quick 30-second brief, drop us the loom, and then two days later, you get a fully baked process document, training document that you can give to your team and hand something off and then manage it versus teach it every time. Is this a monthly fee for a portal situation or is this like a one process at a time? How does somebody get engaged with you? Yeah, it's super easy. It's We have a couple different plans. It's like a monthly quarterly subscription you can choose. Quarterly, you get a discount. And on the top two plans, it's unlimited SOP requests. So it's like literally you could put in 100 requests, right? 100 Loom videos. And we just work through it in a queue. So we do like one or two a day, as long as you have things in your queue. And you have a portal, but we also add it straight into your internal knowledge base. We can kind of help you get one set up if you don't have it. We use a tool called Slight to organize our company knowledge. But people use Notion, they'll use Confluence, they'll use Guru, like different tools like this to house trainings for their company and their team. But I strongly recommend not storing things in Drive for anybody because there's great free tools that you can use like Notion or like really inexpensive. But the biggest problem with trying to create SOPs or trainings is like they're no good if nobody uses them. The two things that we found is like so helpful for delegation is make it really easy to find SOPs, make it really easy to know like what's up to date, what's not up to date. So these tools have like verification features. It's like, hey, it's been six months since you last touched this SOP. Like, is this still the way you do things? But then the big thing that you need to be able to do is you want people to have access to those trainings where they're doing the work. So like, for example, in our agency, we use ClickUp for project management and everything that we do, all of our recurring tasks, things like that, it all has like a link to the SOP right there in the task so that anybody that's doing it, all they have to do is just do and click it and it takes them right there and they can do the thing while having the playbook right up. Yeah, that's incredibly valuable. I mean, you can just imagine the ability to onboard a new team member with an SOP or like in your example, you have a baby and take time off or if you got hurt or you take a vacation and somebody has these questions, you can just be like, look, it's all right there. Right. And that's the thing is the more your business relies on you, the worse it is. Nobody wants to buy a business that requires you. You know, your team hates working for a company where they have to come like to you to save the day all the time. Eventually, I'm assuming you can just have your team do that for you. The SOP could be for your team to create a video for any new process that you're going to do and upload it to get that SOP put in place. And so the the SOP could be that you, as a CEO, do not create the SOPs. Yeah, and, and you as a CEO should not be writing SOPs in general, but you're exactly right. Like we work with some companies where it's like, They have seven people on their team that are all independently creating SOPs through our service. It's a culture of continuous documentation and knowledge sharing. And that's a really good way to get buy-in from your team as well. It communicates to them that you trust them. The more you can delegate trust and not just tasks, the better results that you'll have. So where are we going with 100 Celsius and Delegation Club? What's next for you? Yeah, 
I'll kind of tackle one at a time. With 100 Celsius, we've been making a big reposition, uh, like a big pivot in terms of how we operate. To date, like we've really functioned as like a full service email and SMS CRM marketing agency. So it's like brands hire us, large brands, and they say like, we just want to pass off this part of our business to you. We're basically not taking any more clients for that type of arrangement. We have our existing client base for that. And what we've found is that it's incredibly difficult to scale a service-based business when you try to do all of the things for a brand and you end up inevitably getting worse results for your customers because you lack focus. What we have really come to understand over the last, I would say, six months done a lot of soul searching and have really kind of drilled down into like, what are the things that we do for for e-commerce brands that are the highest impact? What repeatedly do we do where people are like, that makes a huge difference in our business. And let's focus on that and let's cut away all the other stuff that is more like box checking, you know? And so things like we're really not taking over brands campaign management anymore like sending ongoing broadcast campaigns and emails. We're really even going away from kind of a retainer-based approach where we're just working with brands on retainers. And instead, what we do is we do focused consulting sprints. We call it the roadmap. And so we come in and in two to three weeks, our big focus right now is MRR growth, recurring revenue growth, usually for brands that have subscription programs or are kind of replenishment-based brands with a high opportunity for repeat purchases. And we come in and we are 100% focused on how do we grow your MRR? How do we grow that bottom line and that profit by bringing more people back for repeat orders and for growing your subscription programs? And then on the back end of that, we typically do, we're doing 100-day sprints. We have everything scoped out. And our thing now is like, we're going to come in and in 100 days, you will have a substantially better business. We call it the MRR growth sprint. And it's like, we come in and the goal is we're going to double your subscription acquisition rate, depending on the brand or whatever that goal is. So I would say like for for anybody listening, you know, if you have a brand and you have a subscription program, we would love to talk to you. We'd love to take a look and help you. Even if we're not the right fit to help, we can point you to some good resources. Another thing we're seeing more and more is a lot of brands that don't think subscriptions or memberships would work for them, where actually it could (laughs) if you get creative. Think about guys like Fresh Clean Teas or like even apparel brands where it's like there's subscriptions for all kinds of things and nothing feels better as an e-commerce brand than when you wake up every morning and you have profit, you have dollars that came in from renewal customers that you didn't have to go acquire through Facebook ads. That's how you can afford to actually scale. And so that's a big focus for us right now. I would say, however, I can be a resource to your community too. Anybody that's listening, I'm happy to provide some resources. You can definitely reach out. Even if we're not working together, I just would love to help your community in any way that's possible. Absolutely. I plan to keep you around because we want to keep these service-based businesses like yours in the community, in the tap market community, as we continue to build it out, because you're going to have brands working with you that may find value in co-marketing with other brands. And I love this idea of the sprints because it's so much more aligned with what the entrepreneur technically needs. I mean, sure, you could outsource something in perpetuity, but in reality, you need to solve something. And once it's solved, then you can go back 
to writing your own sort of monthly cadence emails to people or have a staff member or have a freelance copywriter write those, but you obviously have identified a problem in how you solve this. I think that the Sprint model is so smart as an e-commerce brand. I think really why we're doing this thing is because we want to come in, we want to set our clients up with the systems, the infrastructure, the knowledge, basically do a full-blown knowledge transfer. And then this is a new economy, right? We don't know how things are going. Everything's more expensive these days. As an e-commerce brand, agencies are one thing. My biggest expense is payroll. I pay a lot in payroll. But uh, an e-commerce brand, your margins are just way lower, right? So it's actually a lot harder to hire people, (laughs) right? Like you don't have the margin and the profit usually to hire really good people. And so even in agency, you have to be like a mid seven figure brand to be able to afford to work with my agency, really on an ongoing basis. But the difference is like, what would it look like for you to work with an agency and go through a sprint where they not only set all of the core things up for you, but then they give you a design system that your assistant can operate. They give you a a reporting system that you can run in perpetuity. And maybe at the back end, it's like you keep them on for a couple thousand dollars a month to just be able to tap into that resource, make sure that you're not missing the boat and that you're like on the right track and that you're not just like doing stupid stuff. Yeah, and you can take 100 days and essentially amortize the value of that over a year. Right, versus paying an agency for a year, pay for three months and then use those resources and hire hire five people in the Philippines that are gonna work full-time for you and are going to love showing up to work every single day, be so hardworking, so talented, give them the tools and the resources to just run the thing, and then give them the exposure to a more like a consultant. And I think that's the winning move for brand owners. So everybody that's listening, you just hire Brian, (laughs) he'll do the 100-day sprint, and before he ends, he'll set up all the SOPs for either your existing team or your VA team to take over and run with this in perpetuity, and you'll be totally set up. So you know, I'll, I'll put all the links in the podcast description and the YouTube videos and the social media posts. Everybody reach out to Brian. You have no excuses now, except maybe you, you have to be a six-figure brand to get started. You got to go do some of that work to get there on your own too. Make a game plan of what's important to you and just start chipping away at it. Do your own little sprints to get started. And you'd be surprised at how fast you can really knock them out if you're block off the time and shoot a few Loom videos on how you do it so you can have a way for another team member to maybe do it for you in the future as you go through all these tasks. And you'll, you'll build something over time. The consistency will just build a house for you. Consistency wins a lot of battles. <laughs> I have to take a moment and congratulate you on your first kid coming. You mentioned that briefly earlier. That's super exciting. I think... Every entrepreneur that's listening to this will admit if, if they have a family or even if they don't, but can envision their family in the future. The reason why we do this is for things like that, for the control, for the legacy, for the betterment of our family. And you're going to get to enjoy that. I'm fairly jealous. Mine are 15 and 10. So I'm past those early days. I'd love to hold a baby again, but maybe not have a baby again, if that makes sense. <laughs> right. But it's so exciting for you, man. I, I hope you get to take the time that you were mentioning off and really soak it all in. I love it. Thanks so much for having me on, Troy. I appreciate that. And it's been a blast. 
can't wait to come back and let me know, you know, anybody that's listening, you know, feel free to reach out if there's any way that I can help, you know, happy to even just point you in the right direction, share resources, however I can be a resource to your community. I'd love to. Awesome. 100 Celsius Delegation Club. Go Google them. Check out the links. Thanks, guys. Hi there. If you found this podcast helpful, I would appreciate it if you took a minute to leave a review. This increases the reach to more entrepreneurs and other people interested in the products, brands, entrepreneurial stories, and their successes. So we can create even more positive small business outcomes. Take a screenshot, tag me in your social stories to friends. This means the world to me to know this podcast has influenced your day and life in a positive way, and that we get to be a part of your own journey. With gratitude from me, until next time, go make it a great day.